What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three sneakerheads that prefer flip-flops at the end of the day. I'm Matt Johnson, and I guess I'm due for another Last Dance rewatch now. I'm Keith Baker, and I went for a run and thought this over. And I'm Austin Terry, and I have to see the sequel story now about Michael Jordan's endorsement of McDonald's. On today's show, of course, we're talking about Ben Affleck's new directorial effort with Air. This movie made a splash in theaters a little while ago, but it's now on Amazon Prime. Uh, The film is based, of course, on true events about the origin of Air Jordan, a basketball shoe line of which a Nike employee seeks to strike a business deal with a rookie player, Michael Jordan. Let's go ahead and get into this one. What are your non-spoiler thoughts on Air? Yeah, I I guess I don't have a ton to say. Not in a bad way. I thought it was a fine, well-executed movie. I think the writing is kind of the standout for this movie. The star power, of course, you've got Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Jason Bateman, Chris Tucker. Everybody kills it. I don't think there's a bad part of this movie. I think maybe the reason why it might sound like I'm a little down on this one is, well, I did think it was very well executed. I just was kind of left like, eh, by the time the movie ended. Like, I thought it was fine. Um, There's not like any major, big, like tense moments. The story itself is very interesting, but there wasn't really like a standout like message or, or anything beyond that. Like I, I definitely learned a new story about the endorsement of Nike and Michael Jordan. But beyond that, I was like, yeah, it was a good watch. Good time. Um, I'll probably forget it though within two weeks of watching the film. So I think it's good. I think it's worth watching, but it, I don't have any like major standout thoughts on this one, I guess. Yeah. I'm kind of the same with you, Austin. This movie definitely did like the opposite. What a lot of movies have done for me where the runtime is too long. This one I don't know what it was. Once I finished, I felt like I had watched a 30-minute documentary. And so I was kind of left the same way you were, um, just kind of left like, okay, interesting story. Um, you know, I, did, I did not know this was the stakes that Nike uh, had to go through uh, to sign this guy. I definitely think they could, maybe could have added a little something to this uh, story for sure, explain things a little bit better. It seemed to me it was more just like a good snapshot of this uh, this era of all these shoe companies trying to sign guys like him. Good movie, good characters, good acting. Um, but yeah, not blown away by any means. Like I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I hear you guys are coming from. It sounds like I'm probably the highest on this one, but I don't know. It's not because it necessarily blew me away either. I just had such a great time watching it. I also felt like it kind of flew by and I, I like the way you put that. I think it is just a quick little interesting snapshot. You know, that's kind of what it is. Uh, Is it more about, you know, Sonny or Nike as a whole? I guess you could argue that back and forth. And and I understand that maybe they could have balanced it more. But when you have someone like Matt Damon, I guess it makes sense to kind of um, position the movie around him. But overall, I just kind of I felt like they they still did a good enough job of making this movie feel like it was, you know, the story of Nike as a whole signing Michael Jordan, kind of this fledgling company that is slowly dying, especially in the basketball division. And of course, now they're like, when you when you talk about shoes, I think if you asked anybody on the street, the word that comes to mind first is Nike. How did that happen? And this movie is kind of that hour, 45 minute snapshot uh, that tells that story. And, and And the fact that it was so compelling with having the Jordan perspective really be told through his parents, and he has very limited dialogue, Michael, and you never see his face. It's like, this movie worked for me without even having like that specific perspective, which is kind of a testament to, I think, how good it is. Um, yeah, it's kind of a weird movie to talk about, though. It's like it's very good. I would recommend it. But yeah, I think I also kind of agree with you guys. There's not like a whole lot to say about it. It's extremely straightforward. It kind of feels like a documentary. But yeah, not a whole lot to say. It's just 
I think, a really great movie, and I would recommend everybody check it out. And I wasn't surprised at all to see that the uh, screenwriter, he, like, wanted to write this after watching The Last Dance, the incredible, you know, Jordan and the Chicago Bulls um, docuseries over on Netflix. He watched that, and apparently, like, I guess they mentioned, I can't remember, I haven't watched it in a while, they mentioned briefly how Nike signed Jordan, and the writer of this movie was like, how did that happen? So I'm going to I'm going to research that. And then this movie kind of ended up happening because of that. And you can kind of tell because it kind of feels like this could have been an episode of The Last Dance. But Matt Damon is playing a character in it. So, yeah, interesting movie uh, gets high props from me. Really loved it. Um, recommend it to anybody. But it's very straightforward. So not a whole lot to say, but that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I think the one thing I kind of want to get into with this movie as we talk further is really about the stakes of this film, because like you guys said, it's not really a Michael Jordan movie. It's not even really a Nike movie. It's really just about this one shoe line and how that got started. And so I'm wondering if maybe if the focus had been on how badly Nike needed this deal for like the everyday people that work for the company. And they almost got there with Jason Bateman's character, but they kind of like they towed that line and then backed off a little bit. I wonder if those stakes if those stakes have been raised a little bit more. Maybe then I would feel more like endeared and, and attached to this movie. Yeah, I guess for me, I was kind of just left wanting wanting more. Like I'm all with what you said, Matthew. Like I love the movie. It's very straightforward. It's a great snapshot of this endeavor to to start this shoe line. But at the at the end, I was like I said, it felt like an hour long to me. I was like, whoa, that's it. We're we're done. Like I was just not getting into it and all that. I was, I was left wanting to see what the results were, even though we know the results. Obviously, it's a true story. But I wanted to like see that play out. I guess. Um, and I would have liked to seen, I guess, uh, a little bit more of the other roles of people in the company. I did too. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's kind of a weird movie. We always do spoiler warnings on this show. It's kind of not relevant when it comes to this. We all know what ends up happening, but, uh, I'll, I'll just say this without being too specific, but there is like a great moment towards the end of the movie where it's like, all right, guys, we're all, all the characters you've met so far were sitting around a table, and this is exactly how we're going to pitch this to Michael Jordan and his family. This is exactly how we're going to make this happen. And whenever like the camera starts on like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, you're like, okay, of course, it makes sense. And then it keeps kind of uh, panning around, and you're seeing all the characters, like the fun characters like Chris Tucker and Matthew Marr, the guy that actually makes the shoe, the actor that plays the guy that made it. It's like, oh, I love these characters throughout this movie, but I kind of wish we got a little bit more with them. And of course, Jason Bateman, he got a lot of screen time, but like you said, Austin, they could have maybe like angled the stakes in a bit of a different way or just more to make it hit a bit harder. It's like, yeah, so we got tons of great Matt Damon and Ben Affleck stuff. And I'm glad we did because they were both great. Um, But maybe we could have somehow got a little bit more from these other characters because they were great while they were there. But to tell the full story, maybe it would have hit harder if we got just a bit more time with them. I do also want to be clear. I think it's a really good movie. Like I had a yeah. blast watching it. I just think mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of everything we've watched this year, Air is probably not going to stand out for me at the end of the year. I'll probably look back and be like, oh, yeah, that was a fun movie. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, I'm curious where it will be for me at the end of the year because I could definitely see it being in the top five, like in terms of quality, at least at this point. Um, and especially knowing what's coming, I, I, I definitely see it being up top. But I also could see it potentially being uh, one that I forget about not because it's bad but because like we've said it is so straightforward it is so kind of like docu feeling and and again it's not a bad thing and i and i love those types of movies but there's just something about it that feels maybe almost too straightforward that like you love it by the end but then 
you kind of don't necessarily think about it again. And maybe that's also because we know parts of these stories. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I love it. And I kind of potentially see it see it kind of maybe leaving my mind in a few weeks. But we'll see. We'll see. I, ho- I hope not. All right. So if you're somebody out there that is uh, still, you know, hanging on bated breath to wonder if Michael Jordan ends up becoming successful via Nike and via Air Jordan, <laughs> it's time to officially <laughs> drop our spoiler warning. So the rest of this episode, we're going to go ahead and get into all the details of Air. We're going to talk about the things we loved, maybe some of the things here and there that we didn't. Sounds like we all give this one a glowing recommendation. If you missed it in theaters, you can now check it out very easily over on Amazon Prime. So go ahead and do that. Uh, And yeah, guys, let's get into it. I'm excited to talk about it. Is there going to be some new favorite Jason Bateman quotes? Maybe. I I know it. Yeah, I know (laughs) it. (laughs) So let's dive in. All right, guys, welcome to Spoiler Territory. Hoping you're sticking with us. As always, we're going to start it off with some cast and crew talk and maybe a little bit of critical reception. So Austin and Keith, what do you got for me? All right. So Ayers, of course, directed by Ben Affleck, who is most well known as an actor, but is also an Academy Award winning writer and director for Gone Baby Gone, The Town and Argo. And it's written by Alex Convery. And going to our cast, we have Matt Damon as Sonny Vaccaro. Ben Affleck is playing Phil Knight. Jason Bateman as Rob Strasser, Chris Messina as David Falk, Matthew Mayer as Peter Moore, Marlon Wayans as George Raveling, Julius Tennant as James R. Jordan Sr., and we got Chris Tucker as Howard White, and Viola Davis as Dolores Jordan. All right, guys, there's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives, what do we got? I think I'll give my standout to Viola Davis as Dolores Jordan. She has a a smaller part in the movie, but every time she's on screen, I think she steals the show. Um, I loved her interactions with all of these kind of executives as she's trying to find the best deal for her son. I also really liked her conversations with Matt Damon and kind of the loose relationship they had of very cordial, but also a little bit unsure of each other. Um, I also like that they kind of call out at this time in Michael's career. She's the one kind of driving the show for like his business dealings and things like that. And um, I thought it was cool at the end of the film when they reveal how much of a presence she still today has in terms of like Michael's representation and things like that. And especially her negotiating techniques uh, that we see two or three times throughout the movie was insane. I was like, wow, this like this lady is just, she knows her son is, is going to be a business so she can already see the future. So it was really cool to watch, watch her character. And she kind of single-handedly changed how the shoe industry does business with their athletes. Yeah. Getting those percentages. Yeah. I'll shout out just the easy one. I'll shout out Matt Damon as Sonny Vaccaro. I love when Matt Damon plays these real life characters, as you guys know. And Matt Damon did a good job of showing how smart this guy was uh, as well, uh, along with Dolores. You know, he, he already knew what the other companies were, were going to tell her. Uh, so he knew the ins and outs of the, of the shoe companies. And he also knew the ins and outs of basketball as well, um, which, is, which is what I really liked about this movie, that it showed that he was really the one that was, that was paying attention to everything. And I love the fact that he was frustrated with his coworkers for not doing their research and stuff like that. He's the only one who really knew who the, who the basketball players were and what their, and what their play style was like. Um, yeah, for me, I definitely agree with you guys. I think I'll also take another easy one. I'll shout out Ben Affleck, not only because I thought, you know, Phil Knight's role in this specific story was really fun to watch. I thought it was an engaging and, fun, sometimes serious performance. And I thought Ben Affleck crushed it. But of course, at the same time, he's directing everything. And I think for all the reasons we talked about how 
you know, in non-spoiler, how this one is um, straightforward. It flies by. It's very kind of methodical. It's to the point. For some of those things might be in negatives in our minds for aspects of the movie as a whole, but I think they are actually all positives in terms of Affleck's direction because it's just so um so crisp, it's so clean, it's so it's so it seems so effortless. And he did all of that while, you know, playing a big part in the movie as an actor as well. So I was I just found it very impressive. Even though the movie itself, while I think of great quality, <laughs> it's like I think it's very easy to watch it and be like, I mean, sure, the actors were great. The directing was fine, I guess. Like the screenplay was great. But I actually think the, you know, sneakily, his direction in this movie was very top notch. So shouting him out on both sides of the camera. The movie looks awesome. And even the Nike office, I thought the way like some shots Mm -hmm. are there with them, like um, going from office to office or even the way Jason Bateman and Matt Damon's offices are positioned where they can see each other through their windows like that. Those sort of camera angles I thought were really cool. All right. Well, you know what we thought of Air. What is everyone else saying? That's the question. Let's talk some critical reception. So Air has actually been receiving critical acclaim and currently has a 92% over on Rotten Tomatoes. The site's critical consensus is, and bear with me here, this is going to be one of the worst loglines I've ever read from Rotten Tomatoes. A fact-based drama that no one will dunk on, Air aims to dramatize events that change the sports world forever and hits almost nothing but net. Wow. They must Uh, like basketball. God, I hate hate myself while reading. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So clever. Let's throw in a reference to dunking and net. The praise, of course, went toward Affleck's direction, Condry's script, and the performances of the cast, which sounds like, uh, you know, we may all be on different ends of the spectrum in terms of just how much we liked it. Sounds like we're all positive. But I think those three things, the direction, script, and performances, we can all agree were pretty great. Yeah, I think I would say... uh... Ben Affleck dribbles his directing very effectively, and mm. Conroy's script uh, passes the excellent onto the actors impeccably. No traveling here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the hopes for this movie was, they thought it was going to be some free throws, but it turned out it was a three-pointer. Golly, whenever we read the logline, we thought it was going to be all fouls. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is as thrilling as a buzzer beater. Keith, quick, make a Space Jam reference. <laughs> I really make a like Mike reference. <laughs> oh, like Mike. Nice. <laughs> Another basketball movie that is so much about Michael Jordan, even though he's not technically ever there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we've got to move on before we, you know, just go into false insanity there. Um, so let's get a little bit deeper. Let's get into our roundtable discussion. It's the main part of our show, of course, where you break it all down. We bring a couple points to the table, things that we want to hone in a bit more, just talk and see what the others thought. So I'll go ahead and start us off today. We've kind of already talked about it, but I wanted to bring up this point to see specifically about it, what worked and what didn't for you guys. So, yes, this movie is a dramatization of real life events, but it does feel a bit like a documentary in execution. We've already brought up The Last Dance. I think, again, it's very clear the screenwriter watched that and then was like, oh, I want to dive a bit deeper on that specific part of it with the Nike deal. Um, And this is what we got. So I wanted to know what like what worked about that for you and what didn't like, was it almost, was it too straightforward at times? Was there like aspects where you're like, I, like, I don't even know how to put it. It's like, did it feel too much like almost like a documentary? Did you want it to feel more like uh not necessarily a traditional film, but more like a film or did you appreciate that it kind of was done in this style? Cause it was clearly intentional. Yeah. I think for me, the straightforwardness really plays into the lack of stakes that I felt with this movie. Cause the way the movie is presented, it kind of makes it seem like all they really had to do was get Michael in the room 
And that was the hardest part of this whole story was just getting him to agree to take the meeting. Like everything else beyond that just kind of made the story seem easy. And I, it doesn't seem like it was that easy like in real life. It looks like a lot of hard work and effort like went into this to make this deal happen. But the movie itself with how straightforward it is almost presents it as being pretty easy for the guys once they got the family on the phone. I mean, I like the fact that it was straightforward, but maybe it did kind of blur the time jumps a little bit. I don't know what the span of time this took place in. Like the time from Sonny being in that meeting room with Jason Bateman's character, you know, arguing about who they're going to sign and then and then signing Jordan. I don't know. Was that a year and a half? Was that four months? Was that five yeah. months? That's I a good know. point because it kind of seems like a week almost. Yeah. It was long enough for Matt Damon to look completely different by the end of the movie. <laughs> Did you guys <laughs> notice that? It looked like by the end he had lost like 30 pounds. His like He was wearing a different wig. He was completely clean shaven. And I was like, do we have to do reshoots for is Matt Damon shooting something else right now? I was like laughing. He looks completely different. <laughs> I think I also would have liked more of a focus on the rivalry between Nike Converse and Adidas. Mm. I don't know. I just feel like a lot of the interesting stuff of this story got really glossed over. Yeah, I get that. I think it it worked well enough for me, but I can also see the other side. I, I think you're right. I think all we really needed to know is that they had stars over at those companies and Nike having, you know, the lowest market share um, did not have any. And that kind of, you know, becomes the story of like, well, we don't want to get a star. We need to get like a generational talent and build a shoe around them, not just have them wear our shoes. Like, let's, you know, make a shoe for that person that they can, you know, market just by wearing it. And of course, that's what ends up happening with Air Jordan. So I like that aspect. But like I said, I can also see the other side of whenever the movie started and it was talking about Converse and Adidas. I mean, those are, of course, are companies that are still, you know, huge today, but in, in a different way. I mean, Nike blows them out of the water. Um, so I was kind of like watching like, oh, interesting converse. So they were huge in, in basketball. That's interesting. Like why? Yeah. You can't picture NBA players like wearing converses today because they're not really known as a basketball shoe. They're more known as like a, a skating or a casual shoe. Yeah. So it was kind of like, what was different then? And I know that would have taken away from this specific story if they start to, you know, do 30 minutes about you know, why Converse like had worked in basketball before, like blah, blah, blah. So I get why they didn't do that. Like we said, we just probably needed to know that they had stars and Nike didn't. But still, I, I would, but I was definitely curious. So I don't know. Maybe there was a, like a balancing act they could have done just to give us a bit more info. Then maybe that would have helped. Like with Austin mentioned about stakes, if they had really built up why they were so much better then maybe we would have believed more that Michael may have, you know, gone to them. So I, I, I get both sides of it. Everything we're touching on, I think, kind of plays into the various characters in this movie, too, because you have Phil, which kind of gives you the Nike history story a little bit whenever he's on screen. And then you have Jason Bateman, who talks about their marketing. Um, and then you have the shoe design guy. And then you have Sonny Vaccaro, who talks about getting all the the high talent. So there's so many characters, and they each kind of come in and out of the movie. Did you guys like that the main character was Matt Damon, or were you hoping the other characters were going to play a larger role in this story? Everybody else felt like, you know, a smaller part of the ensemble, but I think the tricky thing is they were just as impactful on this deal happening, maybe even more so to a degree, um, like when it came to the design of the shoe, when it came to kind of like having relationships with said talent. Um, So yeah, I think I would have liked more of them, but then I also recognize if we give them any more, then we're probably treading on turning this into a series or a mini series as opposed to a movie. And they wanted to make a movie about signing. And, you know, of course, when you have it about signing, then you have to have the Jordan family perspective be a huge part of that. And you have someone like Viola Davis 
you know, playing his mom. And like you, I think you, like you said it earlier, Austin, it's like really the movie is about getting Michael Jordan in the room because his family is totally happy and totally fine to be in the room. But we have to get Michael in the room. So that's what this movie's about. And if you're going to tell that story, then it makes sense to have people that are, you know, in charge of marketing and like scouting talent and the CEO of the company as kind of uh, the figureheads of that deal. So I get it. But again, it's a lot of things with this movie, I see both sides. So I totally understand why I did it this way. And it definitely worked for me. But yes, to answer the initial question, I would have liked to have seen more of those um, ensemble characters that were just as important. I think my favorite parts of the movie are when Matt Damon and Jason Bateman are just talking and arguing with each other. I found their dialogue to be the most compelling parts of this movie. I also like the uh, Sonny and Falk uh, arguing, too, over the phone. Those are some of the best moments, too, because Falk's the uh, the agent that is kind of looking out for all these players uh, as far as they, as long as they go to these meetings and, and all that. And I, I loved the, I loved when Damon just goes around him and it pisses him the hell off. He's he, he goes to their house and Falk's like, "What the fuck are you doing? You can't go to their house." I was uh, I was reading. Apparently, they took a little liberty with that side of the story because oh, I guess yeah. in real life, the agent is the one that convinced Michael to take the meeting with Nike. <laughs> okay, so they dramatized. It doesn't a have bit. enough drama for Ben, so Ben had to make <laughs> it that. <laughs> I'm glad they put in the scenes of Michael and his family meeting with Adidas and Converse, because if we didn't get those, then I think it would have seemed very easy at the end for them to all walk in. And then you just give, you know, the classic impassioned third act speech. And then it's like, all right, I'll sign. It's like, OK, that was cool, but, you know, maybe a bit too easy. So I'm glad we got those other scenes to kind of balance it out. And I love seeing Matt Damon talk with uh, Viola Davis, and he basically lays out exactly what he thinks those companies are going to tell Michael and the family, and then he kind of knocks it out of the park. He's exactly right. So that's one aspect that made me invested towards the end. But I think kind of all these little like nitpicks we have when it comes to showing us more of the story, some of like more of these characters, it does... I'm trying to get on board. It does take a little bit away from the stakes like you guys talked about. I was still invested at the end, but I mean, how'd you guys feel? Like, did, like was there enough there in the story that they showed us? Like, did you still feel, you know, at the end, like, wow, we did it? Or was it too easy, I guess? I mean, part of it is not the movie's fault, but we already know how the story plays out. So you're kind of like, you know that Michael's going to sign with Nike. So there's not really any tension there of like, oh, is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? I will say when the movie ended and they were kind of building it up to be like Michael changed everything in the shoe industry and now we do it this way I was kind of rolling my eyes a little bit because it's like instead of getting a slightly smaller check from Nike he got a larger check and still got his NBA salary and same with all the other NBA players so I was like yeah I mean this kind of really only impacted the executives and the famous athletes it didn't really impact like nobody and nobody at like Sonny's level and Nike is getting a percent of the profits or something like that so I was rolling my eyes a little bit at how much they tried to build up how important this like thing was for the industry when really it's just kind of impacting the people at the top. But it still was like interesting to see how one person in one family changed the entire way the shoe industry has been run for all the years before this. They did a good job of explaining the offers like, you know, they're going to offer them 250, 250K a year from Adidas and something, whatever figure it was from Converse. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, they're offering this kid a percentage of the profits. Like that's 
What? <laughs> no one's done that. That's insane. So Nike had to stand stand apart somehow. So it made sense uh, for them to agree to Dolores's demands there with that last telephone conversation they had. Yeah. And like we say, we get a lot of Sonny and uh, Phil Knight in the movie. But even for me, someone that I think likes this movie the most, there was a part of me towards the end. And you guys both alluded to the bored aspect of the movie. But like whenever Sonny is kind of like begrudgingly going to tell Phil Knight that like, They're agreeing to it, but there's a huge issue, and it's that, you know, they want to sign with us specifically. Like, everybody matched our deal, but the one caveat is Michael has to get a percentage of every Air Jordan sold. Um, And then Phil Knight's – and Sonny Lay's like, well, I have to tell Phil this, but he's going to say no because, of course, he's going to say no. That's not how it works. But then he says yes, and he's like, I believe in you. I believe in the talent. I wish we had gotten maybe just a bit more conversations between them or about that i guess it kind of goes to the like the initial question that we had it did feel a little bit easy for phil knight well i should i guess i should say the fictional version of phil knight just to say no we have to do it that way i'll hand to the board i believe in you i believe in this talent it's gonna work out and he's just down to do it um i was like when that happened i was very curious well what happened in real life to lead them to actually say it's worth doing um, cause there was a little bit like, oh, okay, I guess he's down to do it. And I didn't hundred percent know why again, I don't, I didn't need to, but I still was kind of curious. I was also wanting to know more about Phil Knight's and Sonny's relationship. Like why is Sonny able to talk to him like this? Why is he able to just walk up and get a meeting with the CEO? How well do they know each other? How much have they worked together throughout their Nike career? Yeah. yeah I was curious about that as well. There, he was very familiar with the CEO of the company, the fat, one of the founders of the company. He's just walking into his office every day and mm. yelling at each other. Um, so I was kind of confused by, like, I guess, the, the hierarchy of the company and how that worked. I, yeah, I totally agree. It honestly sounds like every negative we have is like because of a positive in a weird way. It's like, we just <laughs> yeah. wanted more of a good thing is yeah. really what it comes down to. It's a great, to great movie. movie. Just wanted more of the story. We just wanted more. But that, you know, that's not always good because I, I agree. Some of these things we could have gotten fleshed out a bit more, you know. But I know we've kind of already talked about it, but I did kind of want to put like a final stamp on it just to see where you guys are at. Because apparently Michael Jordan, I mean, he's not a producer, an executive producer. He has no involvement with the movie other than he did meet with Affleck and he like they talked about ideas and stuff. So they did meet and talk about the movie. And I I loved reading that Michael Jordan is the one that said uh, he wanted Viola Davis to play his mother. Um, And so that's how that happened. I thought that was really cool and a great choice. Um, But because Michael... You, it's a weird thing for people that may have not seen the movie yet, but he's in the movie, but you never see his face and he has very limited dialogue. And it's it's done in a way that doesn't feel egregious. It's, it's very weird and very well done. But how did you guys like because of that, that really it's because we're getting, you know, his mother and father as his spokesperson. I think a big part of that is because he's he's considered very good. He's the third NBA pick, but he is a rookie. So it's almost like he has to have, you know, people that know what's going on do the talking in a strange way. But did you like that? Did you like that really the Jordan family perspective is through his mother and father? And that's kind of all we get. Yeah, for me, it did. And I think it's an interesting take on this type of story, because if any other story could have just had this movie mainly be about Michael Jordan's amazing basketball feats and then thrown in the part about how he got this deal with Nike. But at this time in Michael's life, it kind of makes sense that you would focus on his mom because his mom is for all intents and purposes, the decision maker. They even say that many times. She's the one running this household. She's the one running everything Michael's doing. So it makes sense that she would be more involved in these conversations 
in these negotiations because all Michael really is there to do is say yes or no. But her mom is the one figuring out the actual finer details of the contracts. Yeah, I think I think it did a good job of kind of building that mystery with him, too, even though we know who he becomes. But at this point, he's has has not won any championships yet with the Bulls. He's like you said he's a rookie. So it was cool that they just kind of kept him in like kept him in the dark and didn't show his face or have any dialogue with him. That's a really good point because it's like, yes, again, he is the third pick in the overall NBA draft. So that's, you know, obviously he's crazy talented, but by like almost not having him in the movie and just being this like mystical figure that we only see from behind, it kind of adds to the whole aspect of thinking that Sonny is kind of crazy. It's like, well, why this guy? And he, like, he keeps saying he's a generational talent, but the fact that we never really see him in the traditional sense and never really hear him talk, then like the way you would expect from a movie kind of adds to that. It's like, you almost like doubt Sonny. If like we had seen Michael playing in this movie, if it was like a traditional biopic, then I think we would have been every scene where Phil Knight's saying you're crazy would have been like, no, you're crazy. But because <laughs> of the way they did it in this movie, you kind of get it. You kind of get his side of like, why this guy? Why are, I gave you 250K to buy three players and you want to take all that money and give it to one? <laughs> you're an idiot. And so I think the way they did it actually made the movie work overall. They also point out that Phil Knight isn't a basketball fan. So Matt Damon's character has to seem even more crazy to Phil Knight because he probably has no idea who Michael Jordan even is. Uh, yeah, well, speaking of that, I thought it'd be a fun way to close out. You know, we have Phil Knight played by Ben Affleck, of course. And Affleck has proved time and time again to be a very competent director. You know, Live by Night really being probably his only miss. I think that was his fourth film. But that was in 2016. So it's been seven years since he directed something, which is kind of crazy to think about because, you know, Gone Baby Gone, The Town, Argo, those were pretty back to back. But what are you hoping to see from him in the future, especially now that his production company, Artist Equity, has been officially formed uh, with Matt Damon? So it sounds like they're going to be working together a lot more in the future. Does that mean they're going to be acting together in everything that maybe he directs or they write together? Probably not. But I mean, I don't know. We kind of got something very different from him with this movie. So... I don't know. Are you guys excited for their future? Because I am. Yeah, I think I'll take the easy one. I, I still have high hopes that he will direct something for James Gunn's DC, whether that's Batman or something else. I just want to see his style behind the camera applied to a comic book movie. I think it would be really cool, really interesting. The way he writes and like films sequences and like very rapid succession, I think could like lend to a, a pretty cool origin story or something like that. So I want to see that talent applied to that type of story. I'd also like to see something else like this, too, and take another historical figure or, or another historical story and, and adapt it into a movie. Uh, if Damon wants to be attached or other, other great actors want to be attached, I think it would, it would work. So he does a good job of telling these real life stories like this one in, in Argo. Yeah, he seems to have like a specialty for these biopics. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I kind of want to see him go back to his roots, maybe, in his next one. Gone Baby a heist Gone. movie? Oh. Uh, almost but yeah gone baby gone his first movie um is just one of my favorite like mystery thriller type movies like i like them to see Ooh, yeah you got to see gone baby gone very good um but i'd like to see something like that uh not necessarily smaller than anything he's done but i'd just like to see like like that kind of story. I think he's done a good job of uh, jumping between genres, as we've seen at this point with, you know, the handful of movies he's directed. I mean, it'd be crazy to think about him doing like maybe like a contained sci-fi story. What does a Ben Affleck horror movie look like? I don't know. But um, especially now that he's formed his production company, it sounds like he's going to be maybe balancing his time more in the coming years between acting and like maybe directing or writing more consistently. Um, I'm very excited. I want to see him tackle like every genre. <laughs> 
because so far, for the most part, um, I think he's nailed it with everything he's done uh, behind the camera. So I'd like to see I'd like to see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it officially. I'd like to see a Ben Affleck sci-fi movie. I think that could be really cool. I just hope he continues to give his best friend Matt Damon terrible haircuts in whatever project he puts him in. Oh, he will. What about his haircuts, too? Like, in this yeah, one, and Argo. It's like a toupee on in this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and start to close out the show here. Before we do that, of course, it is time for Arnie's Podcast Awards, the part of our show where we take something from the thing we just watched and talked about. It can be positive. It can be negative. It can be something in between. It's just something that we think deserves specific praise. So, guys, what do you got for me? Is it Ben Affleck's weird toupee hair? It could be. What you got? It kind of plays into that. Um, I'm going to give the thank God you didn't design the shoes award to Phil Knight or Ben Affleck because he clearly has terrible tastes. His haircut is horrible. His grape car is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. And his track suits are not fun to look at. Even even though it is Ben Affleck, that man cannot pull off a track suit. So if he was designing that Air Jordan shoe, uh, Michael would have said no. So it's a good thing he's not designing these shoes. I'm also going to give an award to Phil Knight, and that is the Stinky Feet Award. He is constantly taking his shoes off in his office and propping his feet on his desk. And if he's running all day and it looks like he has not changed his tracksuit when it cuts to him from running, his feet are probably stinking. His office must smell horrible. <laughs> My award, of course, is going to Jason Bateman, uh, who gives probably the best performance in this film. My, he gets the best quote of the movie award, and it's his great quote that I think we all remember from this film where he goes, yeah, look at that shoe. I don't know about it, but uh, let's go with it. I like it. Air Jordan. Okay. All right. If you say, I don't know, but I like it. I like it. <laughs> My favorite is when he goes, uh, well, I don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't love it. <laughs> I also thought about giving the disturbing trend award because, of course, we watched Ambulance a few weeks ago and a character just randomly says, I have herpes and I love it. And then in this movie, <laughs> another character says, I have herpes and I love it. And it's just becoming a disturbing trend in our modern day movies. We have to practice safe sex. That's true. Do you think Indiana Jones 5 might have a similar line from Indy himself? <laughs> oh, I have herpes and I love it. <laughs> well, I guess in this version, it would be more like, uh, I have herpes and I love it. <laughs> and then John Williams' score comes in. Da, 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 da. <laughs> wow, what a character. He's got herpes. Yes, he does. <laughs> He's got herpes. <laughs> oh, man. Well, before we start to break down every upcoming release this year where they will mention that they have herpes and they love it, thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we would appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five star review. Of or an Apple podcast, Spotify, or if your podcast really does help us out. At the Arnie's is our social, and the Arnie's.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday for our first bracket episode in a while. Very exciting. We picked a bunch of random movies from several genres, times, and levels of praise, which I think is very fair to say. So somehow we're going to pair them against each other and figure out which is the best of these truly random assortment of movies. And lastly, we want to hear from you, so please send us a message. On Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of Air? What was your favorite Jason Bateman quote? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live in our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this one. Have a great rest of your week. We'll be back next time with a brand new bracket episode for you. See you then. See ya. Well, I don't love it. (laughs) 